The following is a presentation of Gallery Church Downtown, part of a family of neighborhood churches seeking to display God's greatness to the world. For more information, please visit gcbdowntown.com. Good morning, everyone. We'll be reading today uh, from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. Uh, there are Bibles under each of the communion tables uh, if you need one. And it's on that page number listed. Okay, verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. I've entitled this particular teaching based upon the Second Peter text, Waiting and Hastening, which really are two words that don't need, generally seem to be words that go together very, um, very often. Um, but let me start out with this. Have any of you ever been lost in a familiar place? Let me just let's let, let that question rest on you just for a moment, because we can all agree. Raise your hands. You've ever been lost like I have. You have just been you don't know where you were or anything. The rest, those of you that aren't raising your hands, um, either you um, just don't like to admit things publicly or you don't like to be told what to do. Um, and so we uh, we all have had experiences of being lost. But what has been the most frustrating to me is when I've been lost in a place where I know I know where I am. All right. Have you ever been there? Like for me, I, I do not enjoy the malls, right? But the worst thing ever is to go to a familiar mall and not have been there for a year, which is what I'm running into now. Um, is and they, the store names change because I generally navigate the mall based upon where the Apple Store is. Um, and so if I can find my way to the Apple store in that particular mall, then I know that Macy's would be this way. I know that, you know, Foot Locker is this way or whatever it is. I know where the other stores then are. Anybody else like that? Where you're, you, you navigate based upon familiar circumstances? Come on, don't leave me up here feeling all alone. All right. Yes. Yeah, so, and even in Baltimore City, you'll navigate based upon certain buildings. And if you can see that building, then you know where you're going and all of that. Well, knowing where we are, is a very important part of our life in so many ways. Um, it, and, it, and it brings so many different emotions to us because there's always a sense of fear and panic, senses of confusion, senses of feeling like, wait a minute, something's not right when we feel a sense of loss or when we feel like things around us are unfamiliar or whatever the different adjectives we could bring. But today I want us to understand that Advent that what we're talking about today and what this second Peter passage is, is all about is you and I finding out exactly where the Christian community. Now, let me define that just for a minute. Christian community is what? The church, right? So we can call it a lot of different things. But this, for those of us that claim to follow Jesus, we are supposedly in the family of God, which is the, the scriptures define that as the church or the family of God. There's a lot of different meanings, a lot of different ways that we shape it. And I don't want us to get confused by the fact that we're all calling the same thing or all calling the same thing something different. 
So the Christian community, the Christians, the family, the church, whatever, the church needs to know where it's located. I, I, I need us to understand this. Because so often I feel like certain people that would be in our family, the church, have you ever heard the phrase, so heavenly minded that you're no earthly Good, right? It's the people where, I mean, everything comes out of their mouth is about heaven and how the streets are gold and all this kind of stuff. And, but yet you wouldn't ask them a thing about how to live today, right? I mean, they're just so focused on the future. Now, again, is it wrong to, to live in the hope that we have? No, we're going to talk about that some more in the next couple of weeks. Is it okay to be strong in the promises of God? Is it okay to have dreams and visions about where we're going? Yes, yes, and yes. I'm not saying against that, but it's so important that you and I know what we're waking up into every day. We've got to be fully present in what the, what the Lord has for us. And the church is located specifically, precisely in the between, the time between what was called an old age in the Bible and a new age. This is where we are. Most of us are desiring to be fully into the new age, which the new age is also another way of describing what I just call it, heaven. So this new age, you'll hear it referenced in the New Testament, which is also here called heaven. So whether you view it this way, Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus is in the middle, right? Um, The old age, Jesus, new age. So, and I'm not talking like new age, like where every, every God is God or, you know, where every thought, as long as you are being good and loving or whatever, that it, I'm not talking about like the new age movement. I'm talking about the new age. It's like this, this new time. It's like this is the way the world has been. This is the way the world's going to be. And these are the rulers of the old world. And these are the rulers of the new world, which is obviously a singular ruler, which is Jesus Christ. Right? So Jesus is the Lord of this new age. The evil one, the enemy, the Bible also is referred to him as Satan, Lucifer, all these different names, right? Has had a team of people, legions, so to speak, even as the way that Jesus um, came in contact with a man that was possessed and he actually spoke as if there were legions that ended up in a bunch of pigs. So in this old age, there were, there's a ruler. In the new age, there's a ruler, and it all changed when? Jesus, okay? It all changed specifically in the death, burial, and resurrection, the way the New Testament describes it, in Jesus Christ. The problem in a lot of our confusion is, is now we are now struggling to make sense in the regime change. We're struggling to make sense in the fact that there's a lot of things that should be different, but they're not different. Or they're different in one place, but they're not different in all places. And we get so confused because we find ourselves in this battleground where there's a new Lord against an old Lord, and an old Lord has been defeated, but he's acting like he still has power. But he doesn't. And so, so much about Jesus is the fruition of what is referred to in the Old Testament 
as apocalyptic literature, which would be books of the Bible like portions of Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, and Zechariah, just to mention a few, talked about a time when the old age would go away and a new age would come, and how there was going to become a, a centralized figure that became the Messiah, the Jesus Christ, and all of those things became fulfilled. So all of those promises came true in Christ. But then when you get to Jesus in his words and in the Gospels and in the book of Ephesians, when Paul was writing that church, we begin to, to find this struggle, which is really difficult because so much of the truth is already, but so much of the truth is not yet. And we're, we're dealing with it at the same time. So we're caught into a struggle because in John chapter 4, in verse 23, it actually, Jesus actually says, a time is coming and now is. At the same time, I'm like, Jesus, could you please make it a little easier for us? Because how can something be coming and be now is? And that, I just want to say, I want to let us sit in that tension of that for a moment. And this is where a lot of you are spiritually frustrated. This is why some of you have taken steps towards Jesus, but then stopped in following after him because the now part of when you believed in Jesus was so real and so fresh and you wanted that salvation, you wanted the forgiveness, you understood that you were a sinner and you knew that you needed saving, but then you wanted immediately to be placed in heaven where nothing ever bothered you ever again, where there was no more struggles, no more pain, no more heartache and nothing and all the things that we know to be true but aren't yet, but yet there is and now is part of our faith. And as I can look in your faces, I'm seeing that, yes, we are totally confused. And like, wait a minute, how is this any good news? Well, let me try to get to that here in just a minute. Because part of the struggle for this teaching is that I wanted to make it very apparent to you and I that it's impossible to try to hold two concepts in our minds at the same time. It's, it's literally an almost a near impossibility to sustain the two ideas of Jesus died once, for it all to be true, but yet it's not all true yet. And so we're wrestling in this between time. This, this is where we're located. We're roca- located in a point in time called the church. We're located in a point in time where Jesus has, has um, done this extreme victory, where he has overthrown the rulers of the world, and those rulers are, are leaving their palace. They are leaving their domain. But in the process, they are destroying everything they possibly can in the process. They are not leaving like, oh man, we lost. They're leaving kicking and punching and flailing and trying to hurt anybody and everybody that looks like Jesus. And we all are image bearers of the, of the Creator. And so he doesn't care what gender you are, what continent you are born on. He doesn't care what educational status you are. The enemy sees the image of God in you. Therefore, he hates you because he lost the battle to you, to, to Christ. And he's seeing that in us, and he's, and he's waging a war against us. And so what we end up finding is like in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, where Paul is saying to the early church there, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So wait a minute. So we're here on earth, but our citizenship is in heaven, and the Lord of all is in that space, and it's saying that we're waiting for him to come here. 
So let me ask you this. What is our responsibility just according to that one verse? Waiting. Who has the action in that verse? Jesus does. Because he's got to go or come from where he is back to us. And so we're caught in this waiting period. And that's why Peter was telling the early church, we wait with excellence, but we have a hastening. We live our lives in such a way that hopefully speeds that coming up. And so waiting is a difficult concept for us to talk about because we, in our minds, many of us have a lot of different perspectives on what waiting is really like. Because some of us, the idea of waiting for the bus is a chance for you to check your email. You process information and you are accomplishing tasks. Others of you wait and you stand. Like if this is the sidewalk and this is the street, you stand out in the street looking for the bus. <laughs> Where others of you are on your phone scrolling Facebook or waiting, and you wait till you see the bus pull up. But others of you, your posture of waiting is like, come on! Right? Like where is this bus coming from? And so that's the different personalities in his church. There are some of you that came in this morning and you're just gazing towards heaven like, come on. And then others of you are like, okay, what does the Lord have me to do today? And so that's what tension, I guess, we're kind of living in as we begin to understand that, wait a minute, Satan has been defeated. Jesus has been the change agent. We are not the change agent. The church is not the change agent. We can't do anything apart from Jesus Christ. We have no power apart from Christ. We have no wisdom apart from Christ. Now, we think we do. We're very talented individuals. We have a lot of wisdom. Some of us have a lot of education. But we have that because God gave you the capacity to have it. Everything we have, every opportunity we have is a gift from God. The problem is, is we've possessed it. So therefore, because we have grown in our talents and our abilities, we feel a stronger and stronger sense of ownership and a stronger and stronger sense of power and a stronger and stronger sense of entitlement that we can look towards Jesus and say, what are you doing? Rather than look towards Jesus and say, what do I do until you come back? Because we've got to have a place and a posture to realize that no matter how confident we are in ourselves or how talented or in our abilities or whatever it is that we have, we are nothing apart from Jesus Christ. And the calling of the church, the calling of those of us that believe, is to be readily at his work anytime we see him working. So we can't necessarily go and change anything, but if we have our eyes open and we see God doing something, then we can go and join him in it. There's a famous Bible study um, call, um, that had a lot to do with the fact of people going and looking for the little fires and then going towards God and saying, where is God at work and let me go join him in it. That's the way that we should be living. That's why prayer is such an important part of our life. The church lives and should live in the midst of this regime change. The time of the old is gone or is going, and the time of the new is coming, and we're in the middle of it. And the one thing that we should be absent of is fear. But if you've ever been in a point of tension, it's difficult to be in the middle of two 
parties that are warring and not in some level experience some kind of fear. Marilyn Robinson actually wrote this. She said this little short phrase. I just wanted to put it up for you guys. Is fear is not a Christian habit of mind. Fear is not a Christian habit of mind. It should not be a place where you and I go and linger. Because in Christ, we know what he's capable of, and we know where we are, and we know what we're supposed to be doing. The book of Acts that we've been walking through is an incredible example of how people were fearlessly living. We've been trying to point that out as we turn the page in each of the chapters. But the point of the book of Acts is to begin to see how people like you and I were fasting and praying and seeking the Lord's face and saying, where are you at work? Like, how did Paul make it to the church in Ephesus from the church in Corinth, from the church, is he was praying, and then, or he'd have a vision, and God would have somebody appear to him and say, would you come please tell us? And he would get up and go, because that's where God was at work, and he would go. And he would go to the synagogue and find 10, 12 people that God was already at work in, and he would join him in that work, and then that work through the power of God would begin to spread. And for us in our faith, and I know that we're at so many different levels of our following of Jesus in this room, And it's so hard as a pastor to teach all of us at the same time when all of us are at different levels where some of us, we come into this space and we're like, okay, I I do believe, but I I just don't know what I believe or how much I believe. And then there's others of you where you're just like, man, teach me something about the Bible I don't already know. And and so we're we're all caught in this great tension. And what I want to say to us is, is if we believe in Jesus, The first posture of our day should be thank you. And the second posture of our day should be, yes, now what? What do I now do while I'm waiting for you to come back? Because we have confidence to know that if he fulfilled all of these promises, he's going to fulfill all the promises that I feel like are left undone. Because God has never broken his word. But then that opens up a whole other Pandora's box of questions and thoughts from many of you that do feel like as if God has let you down or that God has not kept his word to you. But when in all actuality, the world, the tension, the battle of wars that are happening between the two regime changes that are going on, that's the period of this church, is that we're realizing that there is a real enemy and that there are people around us that are constantly failing one another, but yet you and I in the waiting can do right by one another because we have the power of Christ. We can know what it, it looks like for me to show an expression of love to you, and there's a way that you can know how to show an expression of love to me, but that posture starts with us saying, Father, what do I do today? That, that posture of prayer says, Father, I'm on my way to church. What am I supposed to do when I get there? Father, reveal to me, like we, we get ready to step into the hospitality time, and every time Olivia or one of our worship leaders dismisses us to the hospitality time, our prayer should be, Father, I'm about ready to talk to people. What is it that I'm supposed to do? Who is it that you want me to talk to in the room? And some of you know that voice because the Lord even told you today to go see somebody and they weren't sitting next to you. And you, you were like, okay, Lord, I'm not, and, and I wonder how many of you actually did it. And others, you're like, well, I'll catch them after the service, right? I've done that before, and they usually leave before I can get to them. Let me just tell you that, all right? It's like when the Lord speaks to us, are we ready to respond? 
Knowing where we are helps us to understand what is going on and where we're going. Okay, I want you guys to, to grasp this. This is why we put it on the slide. Knowing where you are helps us to understand what is going on and where, where we're going. So let me tell you what's going on. Jesus' kingdom is breaking through. There are places and times and moments throughout every day in every city across this world where the kingdom of God is coming. And generally, there's conflict. There's things happening. And if we're not careful, we'll miss it. Or we won't even be aware that it's going on. But Jesus and the activities of the new kingdom are coming. And as we go through that, we're going to know where we're going. I know I'm not a great historian, but I do know that there was a, a, a period of days between D-Day and V-E Day, right? Do you guys know how many days difference between D-Day? Anybody historians in here between the, the D-Day activities in, in World War versus the victory in Europe Day? I don't know how many days, but many people believe that... Sorry, we're not all very many historians in here, I guess. Hey, Siri. Um, um, oh, she's answering. Sorry. Um, but most people believe that the war was over on D-Day, but there was a delay for the announcement, right? And so it was over with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right, and and we're we're living in this time period now where the word's getting out. The word's getting out, and it's good news. Advent, actually, if we're doing it properly, really brings together both Lent and Easter and Christmas and all of that at the same time. Um, and so much of the New Testament is filled with the concepts and the conversation around the second coming of a victorious Jesus. And if our eyes will let us read and we see it and we spend time reading in the, in the letters in the New Testament, we're going to find this call for the endurance of the saints. Which, let me just go ahead and say this, and if you've been around me long enough you know, to know that long-suffering and perseverance are listed as fruits of the Spirit for a reason. They're listed in the scriptures for us because we're in a period of time where we must have them. Because we're pressing towards promises that need to be fulfilled, that are going to be fulfilled, but we have a very malevolent enemy that is seeking to just be evil to us and to make our life miserable. So we have to embody words like peace. And being a peacemaker is a very difficult thing. Living at peace is a very difficult thing because when we are weak and weary, it is so easy to default to self-centered living. It's so easy for me to process all my relations around, well, what do I believe and what, do, what, what helps me and what, what, what makes my life better rather than thinking about what's the best for the weep part. And, as we, and, and I love how Karl Barth put this. He actually says, what other time or season can or will the church ever have but that of Advent? So really, there's a church calendar, and we go through all these different things. But if the church is being true to its place, there is no other time that we gather than, than Advent. We are constantly in the in-between. 
So whether we're getting ready to roll up to Easter or we're in the summer or we're getting ready for some sort of the, the, the spirits that take place in the fall of the year leading up to Christmas, it is Advent 365. Because even though we want to be in heaven, we are, we are living every day in this in-between period where we have to endure and we have to keep pressing forward. 1 Corinthians 11.26 says this, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he he returns or comes, depending on your translation. So even every Sunday that we gather around this table, we're adventing. We are trying to be fully present in the church, longing for what's been promised, but in the meantime, our bodies are broken and our blood's poured out like the example of Jesus Christ for other people. In a very real sense, the church lives in Advent all the time. Actually, we could add, and let me confuse us a little bit more. So rather than calling us the family of God, and rather than calling us the church or the community of believers, why don't we just call ourselves the between people? It sounds like something we would find on CBS, like a 10 o'clock television show, right? But, um, but we re- that's really what we are. And if you and I are going to function at our best and at our highest capacity, we have to know who we are. We have to know where we are. We have to be confident in knowing where we are. We want to be on the victory side of things fully, right? But yet we are still walking through the battlefield as an enemy is being defeated and a a righteous king is taking his place. Jesus first came... I love it. We're getting ready to celebrate it on December 25th, or 24th into 25th. Jesus came very incognito. Came to a teenage mother in a town after she'd been riding on an animal for days in a place where there was no room for her and was in a manger, right? I mean, how, how common, how else... Could Jesus express humility? He gave it all up. I mean, because he was living in this perfect heaven and decided to, to, to downgrade his life so much that he could be born and placed in a manger to a family that was poor to become the true king and Lord of Lord of all. But everything the New Testament says that this second coming that we're longing for, you know, remember those of us that are actually looking this direction, like, come on, Jesus, when he comes back, it's going to be glorious. It's not going to be baby Jesus. It's not going to be like some sweet little, oh, holy night. I mean, it's going to be some kind of, oh, when the saints come marching in, you know, kind of, it's going to be whatever it is. It's going to be more exciting. It's going to be more uplifting. It's going to be better than any band from yesterday's college football games. It's going to be better than everything because when he comes back, he's going to be showing himself in his full glory and his full power. And anything that's left is just going to be consumed. Anything that's left that is not of his kingdom and not of his way, it is just going to fall away and it's all going to finally be fully put together, and that's what Advent time is all about. It's us saying, okay, I'm aware of where I am. I am going to live in this moment for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knowing that there's an enemy in my ear that's trying to convince me otherwise, but he needs to be silenced because he's lost. 
and I need to focus on the voice of the Lord. Colossians 3, verses 3 and 4, Our lives are hidden with Christ in God, and when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. We need that. The Advent tension is where we live every day, and that's why it's so hard for us to maintain the joy of our salvation. It's so hard for us to walk in here every Sunday regularly with joy in our hearts because we live in the Advent tension. We are longing for it to be right, but yet it's not fully right yet. This is why, I don't know if I've shared this story with you guys, but I'll share it in brief. Um, There has been several church planting movements for the city of Baltimore. Um, There's been multiple different denominations that have raised money to try to help. We're a part of that in starting the church that we have here. But because of the work that we've done, I've had opportunities to go and meet pastors and show them around the city and then go to conference rooms and sit down and talk about ways that churches could be involved in the, in the life. And I was in a room full of about 15 or 20 pastors and these church leaders that had come to Baltimore. And I could tell they weren't listening. They were only talking about fish and crab cakes and, and when the Orioles game was going to start that they were going to get a chance to attend. And so this is, way, this is the way that I viewed it. They were coming in and looking, almost like as a zoo, like all the exhibits that Baltimore had to offer, but they couldn't wait for lunch. They couldn't wait for the... uh, Because they just wanted to go and see all of the problems that Baltimore had, but they had no desire to engage. And I said a few things that got me uninvited from ever doing those again, Um, but I'll leave that for a story for another day. Um, But... um, but this is, this is the difference between the church and others. You and I can't go to lunch. It's, we do, many times, just have to close our eyes to things around us. But that's part of the reason what makes this life so tense is because we have a Lord and a light that's inside of us that wants us to be agents of his peace. And we see all the places where there's no peace, and it's really hard for us to just turn a blind eye. And there's a part of us at times out of sheer exhaustion that, that much like Jesus, needs time to get away into the wilderness. We need times to unplug. But we've got to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide those times. We can't become people that live for ourselves. Because when we do that, we're tormented. Because we have a new life that's trying to raise up in us, that's preparing us for heaven, and, and we, we, we're, we're giving in to an old kingdom that's supposedly on the way out. And so we're, we live in this tension of, well, but Lord, there's so, much, there's so many places where there's no rest, there's so many places that need peace, and God's saying, I'm working here in your life, join me there. Like, who's the person that you see God's peace moving towards? And join him there where there's power in that. And so we as his people can't just go and look at the problems. We have to engage with them. And when we don't engage with them, there's this sense of shame and guilt that come over us. And we can't let that shame and guilt win. Because God's promise is is that if you join me there, there's going to be power. 
If you join me there, you're going to get the wisdom you need. When you join me there, you're going to get your strength. And so if we begin to function with Jesus has promised these things and he's fulfilled them, he's promised these things are going to be filled. But for now, he's promised to give me power. Now he's promised to bring peace. Now he's promised to bring contentment and kindness and gentleness to my spirit so that I can engage in this world right now. Then I'm going to wake up tomorrow confident that he's going to do those things for me. And we've got to get to the point as his people where we're willing to do that because all too often the temptation is, is let's just make exhibits out of all the world's problems and let me just enjoy the, 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 the palace of my home. And we, we were, that's not what God has called us to. First Corinthians, excuse me, um, Colossians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 say this, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4, 7, and 13, it says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And now... These three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Now, we know the greatest of those is love, but let me talk about the way that next week's word, hope, is going to impact peace. Let me just tell you this. The reason why we have the hope that we have is because Jesus has already fulfilled promises. And we know those to be true. So now we have a hope that if he's promised us a perfect future, then that's going to happen. And in the meantime, we have to be agents of his peace, much like the first Corinthians is talking about. It's not just a passage for people to read at weddings. It is a passage for us to go to work with every day. It is a passage for us to go into our homes with every day, into our relationships. Everywhere we go, we should let love be patient. We should let love be kind. We should not envy one another. And we got to make sure we're not guilty of that even in our own church family of desiring what somebody else has. We've got to get to the point where we're not boastful people, we're not proud. We've got to become a people that's always looking to protect, always looking to trust. There was a moment yesterday where um, my son's not here this morning, and I'm going to brag on him because he doesn't podcast. Um, So yesterday, after uh, after his hockey game, um, they did that little line thing where they make they force all the players to shake hands after they've been knocking each other's heads off for an hour, um, which I think is really a hilarious concept in sporting. Um, but um, so next thing I know, I'm sitting there folding up the blanket because my son plays a sport we have to sit in a refrigerator in order to watch him play. Um, so my little sissy blanket I had wrapped up, um, we're folding it up, and I'm like, hey, Ginger, look. And the kid on the other team was was using one leg to kind of push himself off the ice from the opposing team, and my son goes up underneath of him and helps him skate off the ice. And I was like, that was the best play of the game. And, and, I, and I share that with you guys because I believe there's moments throughout the day where an old kingdom is going away and a new kingdom is coming, and God is saying to you, that's where I want you to be, and I'm going to give you the power to undergird somebody else. And I'm going to give you the power to walk with them. We are in a waiting period of time. But our actions of peace can hasten his coming. It's heavy. 
but yet we can live in the joy that we're doing our Father's work. We're, we can look at people and say, God's kingdom has just joined you. We follow God right into the presence of his presence here and now. And I believe that God wants us to walk in that power more fully. And that's what I'm hoping that we can have kindled in us through this Advent season, is that we know exactly where we are. We're not wanting to be somewhere else, at least not desiring it too long. And we're asking the Lord to give us the power to be fully present and that we can be peacemakers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the chance to be together this morning. And Father, I even thank you for even just helping me try to make sense on a Sunday that I don't feel the best. But Father, you have already fulfilled so many promises. And we know that you've promised us a better future. You are going to renew all things and restore all things. And you have invited us in Jesus Christ to become kingdom agents of that now. And so, Father, teach us to be a people that know what it looks like to actively wait. Father, help us to wait. We know that one of the fruits of your spirit is perseverance. And so your spirit can help us wait. Your spirit can give us the power every single day to wait through the circumstances that we're currently in. can give us the strength, the wisdom that we need to make good decisions with our time and our resources. Father, you can give us eyes to see people. Father, we can function in this city because you are alive in this city. We can do good things in this city because you're doing good things in this city. And we can join you in those activities. And so, Father, as we wait, Lord, would you help us to bring your peace? There are so many troubled people, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that your church, your people, um, would bring your peace this Christmas. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.